want you people to know we're not so different, you and I. I used to love video games. Yeah, video games, video games. Yeah, I love video games, and then I lost my virginity. <laughs> and that's why I'm gonna win tonight, baby, because I'm better than you, and you know it. Hello, my fictional friends. For the past two years, the wrestling community has been frightened, terrified, and slandered by a man simply dubbed Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Some would say free man, because just like his royalty three music, he is as cheap as they come. Now, I'm not encouraging you to be as cheap as a free man, more rich with your content, rich with your insults. So I pray to you, my fellow wrestling fans, do not douse the salt of the earth with more salt, but rather challenge his perspective with the power of pepper. Because being salty on the internet is bad, and that's not good. So from this point forward, I implore you, I encourage you, to spread the word through memes. Because our memes are the friendliest memes. They are the best memes. Likewise, send it on your Facebooks, your Twitters, your Instagrams, your OKCupid.coms. Meme makers get to work. Perhaps even more than that, we get ourselves our own specific wrestling signs. Don't explain it. Don't tell your friends. Don't tell your friendliest friends. Just do it with no context. And eventually, the world will catch on. My final decree, my final thoughts of encouragement to stop further salt of the earth, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, is that we kill him with kindness. Yes, the thing that the wrestling community is afraid of doing on any form of social media, killing people with kindness. My name is Connor Cooper. And I approve of this message. Okay. Hopefully, that message sticks. Oh, a text. Man, wonder who sent- I'm better than you, and you know it. Damn it! Curse you, MJF! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, 
Welcome to this edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor and uh, I've really got my work cut out for me this week. Uh, yes. Thank God for royalty free music, right? It makes this podcast possible and it makes MJF's entire career possible because uh, I'm pretty sure he's used this theme song for all his promotions in MLW. AEW, various other indie promotions. It's worked quite well. But that's getting a little bit off topic. We are, of course, fantasy booking MJF this week. The salt of the earth. A guy who is currently locked in a feud with Chris Jericho. And, well, I just want to ask, where on earth is he going to go next? Because, uh, you know, after these five labels of Jericho, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to see what else MJF can do. So before we get into that, a couple things I should mention. All the stuff I'm going to be talking about, there will be timestamps in the description if you want to skip to a certain section. I am pitching essentially one big story that's kind of in three other things for MJF this week. So if you want to skip to whatever part, I feel like they're easily dissectable. Feel free to do that because I know these things have gotten longer and I'm slowly losing my mind. <laughs> Secondly, I am going to be making references to the MJF documentary made by Kenny Johnson. If you don't know who Kenny Johnson is, go look him up on YouTube. He makes some fantastic documentaries on some of your favorite independent wrestlers. A lot who've gone on to greater pastures in NXT and AEW like Orange Cassidy, Johnny Gargano. Uh, you know what? If you're a big fan of independent wrestling, Effie. All, all these very fun documentaries, and they covered one on MJF, which we're going to get into later. So, potential spoilers for that. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Go watch it. It's fan-flippantastic. Anyways, with that, I think, you know, I should talk about just my feelings for MJF for a sec. I think, personally... One of my favorite heels in wrestling right now. Easily, just the way he carries himself in the ring, his promos, the fact that he he looks like a high school jock that you would see in any, like, secondary school that you would automatically hate. Which, it's kind of the energy he carries, which just makes me feel angry at him. <laughs> I'm like, what? why? Why have you got to look like such a douche? You know, he's got a very similar quality to The Miz. You know, very both of them have very slappable faces. But the only thing with MJF is, he can actually wrestle! <laughs> and his whole character goes against it. Like, it's like, you look at him and you think, oh, he, he's just like EC3 or MJF. No! He can freaking go! I, I recently watched the whole Kenny Johnson documentary and saw him do a fucking dive! I was thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> this is not you. This is a lie. This is all a lie. <laughs> so, I've been looking forward to this episode and also dreading it. Because MGF, as we've already emphasized, is a very good promo. A very good wrestler. With some great metaphors and great use of language. Which I don't really have. <laughs> And I feel like that's going to be a real challenge to write this week. (laughs) 
So, we might as well get head straight into it and what I plan to book MJF with. And to do that, we need to talk about his AEW career. So, let's discuss MJF's AEW run in about four minutes. Okay, so, making an appearance initially at the All In pay-per-view in September 2018, MGF would eventually be signed to All Elite Wrestling in January 2019. His first match with the promotion would occur at Double or Nothing 2019, where he would end up coming up short in a losing effort in the Casino Battle Royal 2019 to Hangman Adam Page. He would later go on to have a fatal four-way match at Fighter Fest against Hangman Page, Jungle Boy, and Jimmy Havoc, in which he would also come up short yet again. During the following month, Fight for the Fallen, he would team with Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara, to eventually defeat the team of Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. Time would pass until eventually he would have his first ever AEW Dynamite match, in which he would successfully defeat Brandon Cutler. He would become heavily involved in the Cody Rhodes vs. Inner Circle storyline as Cody Rhodes challenged for the World Heavyweight Championship. During this period, Cody Rhodes risked the idea of him potentially never challenging for the AEW world title again if he lost to Chris Jericho. This would occur at the Full Gear pay-per-view in which MJF would throw in the towel for Cody Rhodes. At this point, MJF would finally turn heel on Cody. Within the following weeks, MJF would secure himself the Dynamite Diamond Ring in a battle royal and singles match against Hangman Adam Page, who would align himself with his new bodyguard slash associate Wardlow and he would begin a program with Cody Rhodes, placing upon Cody multiple conditions that he had to follow in order to fulfill the match at Revolution. They would eventually have their match at Revolution, in which MJF would sneak himself a huge victory over Cody Rhodes. From this point forward, MJF would have a series of mid-card to high-end feuds, having feuds with the likes of Jungle Boy and many others. His next big opportunity would come with a main event program against John Moxley. MJF would eventually come up short in this exchange, but was still left with a huge impression that he could be one of the next big stars in AEW. Having only one single loss to his name at to this point, he would eventually attempt to align himself with Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle. He would go through a series of skits, including the town hall meeting with Eric Bischoff, the Le Dinner Debonair, and eventually a match at full gear. MJF would eventually be successful, aligning himself with the Inner Circle. Over the coming months, MJF would align himself with the Inner Circle, attempting to gain the trust of each and every individual member, resulting in Sammy Guevara temporarily leaving the group, and MJF and Chris Jericho becoming the definitive tag team of the Inner Circle. This would eventually lead them to having an AEW tag team title match at Revolution against the Young Bucks. They would eventually be unsuccessful in this endeavour, leading to the eventual MJF and Inner Circle split. Said split would lead to the creation of the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle being the Inner Circle's new big rival. They would brawl for several weeks, leading to the eventual first ever Blood and Guts match, alongside the Stadium Stampede in front of the very first full crowd of AEW fans in a year and a half. From this point forward, well, you kind of know where we are. We're in the middle of the MJF Chris Jericho feud, in which Chris Jericho is begging for another match with MJF. MJF has proceeded to give Chris Jericho a demand. A demand that he challenges through five matches of MJF's choosing. The labors 
of Jericho. The first being against Sean Spears, in which it, Chris Jericho was eventually successful. And now, a match against Nick Gage next week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, MGF has done a lot already. He's been in some very high-profile matches. They've really given the ball to MJF in a lot of scenarios, putting him in feuds with essentially the face of AEW in Cody Rhodes, uh, a main event program with John Moxley in which he more than enough proved himself. And now they've had him in a program with MJF, not, Jesus, he's not in a program with himself, though I think he would want to be in a program with himself. He's in a feud with Chris Jericho at the moment, in which it feels more likely that MGF will come out the victor. I really hope he is, so we really don't date this recording. So MGF, please win. <laughs> That's all I ask. Anyways, with that out of the way, I may as well give you the overall scope of what I plan to do with the MJF character going forwards. And if you've been here long enough, then you know that I like to do that in a little thing called the tagline. What a segue. <laughs> The tagline is basically my summary of what I want to do with the Wrestler of the Week. Think of it like a 30-word summary that you would see on Netflix. Crunchyroll, like how WWE is going to have a show on Crunchyroll. I don't know why, I don't know how, but for some reason they have it, and I am never going to forget this, and this has now become a regular thing. Anyways, the tagline is going to begin very soon, so I need to ask myself, the editor of this podcast, to cue the music, future me! Okay, so remember when I said I was going to be talking about the Kenny Johnson documentary? That is right now! So, yes, it is... A documentary dedicated to MJF, which is entirely in character, which if you know MJF, is a, it's a regular thing. But one of the more interesting things about this documentary is how they show a more... I want to describe it as sociopathic? Or psychotic side of MJF, which isn't really shown that much in AEW? Like, they talked about his history as being a football player, and how that didn't work, and how there was a lot of contradictions to that. And, you know, it showed this very... I want to say, I've already said, like, that kind of, like, dangerous presence, which... You don't really get much from MJF in AEW at the moment. You get the, like, cocky, like, arrogant, I'm better than you and you know it. But... I'm curious if we can bring out the under-the-surface elements of MJF. You know, the more angry, psychotic elements that I think could really add more depth to the MJF character that is already there? Because we know we can pull it off, he's a fantastic promo. Which is why my tagline for this week is expected to change the world. A privileged star attempts to become the pinnacle of wrestling by doing anything he can to make it to the top. Because that that summarizes MJF's entire AEW run. He's 
He's a person who's put so much weight on him being the best in the world that it's drove him to lengths that many wouldn't really dare to go to. Many that, you know, could be more deplorable than Chris Jericho is today. Some that were more, I guess, aggressive and egregious than the days of CM Punk in WWE. And I think that having MJF be in a faction that's ironically called the Pinnacle, I feel like he should eventually reach that pinnacle. Like, it feels like we're on the cusp of that, and we're gonna get it very soon. The only real question is when. With MJF, the sky is the limit with his promo abilities, his wrestling, which is much better than people give it credit for. Going back and seeing some old matches for AEW, he changed his style to be a little bit more grounded in the best possible way. And I feel like his whole story should reflect all of these points. So, if you think you can give a much better short summary, feel free to tweet me at Connor the Cooper on Twitter or you know what? Just tell me at Wrestling With Fiction on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I think it's time to get onto the very first storyline pitch of this overarching thing I have for MJF planned. And uh, I think that MJF, you know, we've already talked about him being part of the pinnacle. We've talked about him, you know, being one of the top competitors in AEW at the moment. But I think the real challenge that he has to face is overcoming a certain sea biscuit. And if you know, well, you're going to know very soon. Right, so a couple prerequisites before we get into this. At the time of this recording, as it's already been alluded to, Fight for the Fallen has not happened yet. So I'm going under the assumption of a couple things. One. Hangman Page does get his shot against Kenny Omega at All Out. And that MJF beats Chris Jericho in this feud. So, moving on from that, let's head straight into this. So, our story begins at, essentially, the first episode of Dynamite post All Out. At the time, Hangman Page has successfully won the AEW Championship from Mr. Kenneth Omega. Hangman is out there congratulating with the fans, celebrating with all of them. Essentially just, you know, doing the big world title celebration that we always see when a big star wins the world title. Yay, 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 they did the thing! And, well, Hangman Page pretty much just raises a glass to everyone. He says thank you to everyone for believing in me, believing in what I could do, even when I couldn't really believe in myself. And... I feel like I couldn't have this celebration without the people who have been the most supportive of me throughout this entire ordeal. And he asked the Dark Order to come out and celebrate with him. And, you know, he holds his glass up. We hear the Dark Order music. The home. They are here. They are watching. Join us. Join us. It's a very, it, it it doesn't sound like a good guy theme out of context, but in context, it's great. So that keeps playing. It keeps playing. And nothing happens. 
because you know how wrestling works. Nothing happens, Hangman. He's not quite sure, so he's just like, he shrugs. He starts drinking his beer. And then something comes up on the Titantron. And it's not really much at first. You can you can vaguely see on the Titantron that, you know, there's a steel chair in hand. And, you know, the camera focuses a bit. And it's one of those cameras which it doesn't look like a professional production camera. We're talking something a little bit more low budget. Think uh, like a very early Canon model. Something like that. I can't really give you specifics, but something like that. And we see the camera slowly focus and it's a steel chair and uh, a certain insignia on it. And I think you already know where it's going. It's, it's the chair of Sean Spears. And Sean picks up the camera. He starts sort of moving around the entire area, which we're going to say it's the Dark Order's locker room, purveying all members of the Dark Order essentially knocked out and beaten the living S-word out of. Until Sean pans the camera over to MJF. MJF grabs a microphone and he simply says, Hangman, it's been a while, hasn't it? Oh, my mistake. Sea Biscuit, wh where are my manners? I guess that went into the bottle hard, bud. You see, while you were busy battling best bout machines, I, I had my attention focused on slaying gods. Beings that were... You were never able to beat. Keep riding high, Hangman, because whilst your time is now, just like your little friendships here, they'll all be ruined in the end. Because I'm better than you, and you know it. The camera just completely shuts off. He smashes it on the floor. You know, we see the very convenient, you know, like, that you see on television when something goes wrong. And Hangman Page just, he keeps the beer in hand and he rushes over to there. And, of course, the pinnacle and MJF just barely escape. And we have... Our big feud, guys, heading up to full gear. It is MJF versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. MJF makes a claim that because he has beaten Hangman multiple times and he has also beaten Chris Jericho, a guy that Hangman was never able to beat in his entire AEW career, that he deserves an AEW World title match. As much as Tony Khan wishes that it wouldn't happen, that is the direction that they are going in. So, from this point forward, all of the Dark Order want their hands on MJF. Hangman Page, of course, he he's fine with it. He's essentially just sort of agreeing with what they're all doing. And from week to week up until the build of this pay-per-view, we have Hangman against Pinnacle members. MJF versus Dark Order members seemed pretty normal, right? Well, except a couple things. Uh, every time that MJF beats a member of the Dark Order, we're going to say the first is five, you know, he starts assaulting them. He does all of this. Uh, he specifically targets the arms of each of the members of the Dark Order. And he grabs a steel chair along with Sean Spears and he takes them out. One by one, members of the Dark Order are essentially being injured to a point where 
they are no longer in these shots and backstage segments with the group and the dot evil uno keeps on mentioning how from week to week members are dropping like flies because of the pinnacle and a key detail to this is that hangman page is never attacked by mjf or the group this will be important later so this eventually builds until we get a six-man tag team match Hangman Page, along with Silver and Reynolds, against MJF and FTR. Hangman, Reynolds and Silver all eventually pick up the win thanks to a buckshot-lariat combination that they have with the Dark Order, pinning Dax Harwood. And during this, they're celebrating, they're doing their things, they're all sharing their, I guess sometimes they call it page-wisers, I don't know why, but that is a thing that they do. So, they share their page-wisers, the drinking in the ring, and of course that celebration is quickly interrupted by Sean Spears. During this point, Hangman is essentially knocked down by Sean, but not really much really. The pinnacle is fully focused on taking out Silver and Reynolds. And Hangman tries to help, but Dax and Wheeler essentially restrain Hangman. They don't attack him, they restrain him as MJF grabs the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and he holds it up to Hangman Page as he's restrained, watching as Sean Spears essentially injures Silver and Reynolds in front of his eyes. Hang Hangman Page sits there, struggling, as MJF just shouts in his face, you don't deserve this. Pointing at the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, you never deserved this. This is mine. It is always meant to be mine. You don't deserve this. Not on the microphone. You can just hear him lip, lip saying it in front of the crowd. And we end an episode of Dynamite off on that point. From this point, Hangman is all alone. Every member of the Dark Order has been injured and they are out for what can feel like, you know, the months leading up to full gear. Hangman Page is distraught to an extent. He's he's casually just having drinks for the sake of it. You see him around in a bunch of backstage segments that don't even involve him. Drinking, drinking, and drinking, and drinking. There's a, there's a sense of confusion and sadness to the way that he's sort of walking around Dynamite. Till eventually, Alex Marvez catches Hangman in a bar nearby the AEW arena. And he starts talking about the Pinnacle and how they've been injured and they're kind of considered his friends. And Marvez brings up a point that really sticks to Hangman. He asks if he feels responsible. And Hangman quickly throws a drink down on the floor. And he pats Marvez on the shoulder and says, You can pay for that, right? And almost like a new reinvigorated determination, Hangman walks out of the bar. And we see, eventually, mid-match between FTR and Santana and Ortiz, Hangman storms in and just assaults FTR mid-match. It's a DQ finish. But you know what? It's fueling another big story. I think it's not a big deal here. Hangman 
puts out all of his frustration onto FTR Buckshot Lariat, Buckshot Lariat, Buckshot Lariat, in which he grabs a microphone and he starts screaming, MJF, you want to attack my friends? You, you hurt them, huh? Why not take on someone your own size, huh? You want some cowboy stuff? Then get in the ring right now. Of course, the crowd is cheering. We see him, not even with like a smidge of alcohol on him, just looking angry and stone-faced. MJF has targeted his best friends and he wants some revenge. MJF slowly saunters to the ring and in the almost like just annoying fashion that MJF is, he just starts talking about this specifically. Oh, poor little sea biscuit. You think that this is how life works, bud? I've already got a title match set in stone, and you want me to jeopardize that by playing a little game of cowboys versus Indians? Here's the thing, bud. I don't need to get my hands dirty for the likes of you, because whilst you carry the greatest championship in this industry, things you lack are confidence and common sense. You call yourself a cowboy, but you plod around here like a disease. Everything you touch becomes infected with your issues. The elite, the dark order. You need them more than they need you. You can't hack it on your own. You're a great athlete, but you don't deserve that championship. Because you don't have the guts to carry it on your own two feet. At full gear, Hangman, a prophecy is fulfilled. When I become the AEW World Champion, and you go back to a life of alcoholism. Because I'm better than you, and you know it. Hangman just walks away. Paige, kind of, we see that kind of will to fight go a little bit as he's kind of reminded of, it, of his past trauma. Because I feel like the Hangman Page story doesn't end with him winning the world title. I feel like it's going to be the rain that really kind of reflects this. Because you don't suddenly cure all of your issues of not feeling good enough overnight, even if this is wrestling. I feel like that's kind of where Hangman Page would be at this point. The next segment leading up to Full Gear is the AEW contract signing. Now, this is the big go-home angle where the two are exchanging words. And for the sake of brevity, I'll give you MJF's reasoning that he gives before signing the contract. And he says, Allow me to harken back to two years ago. Some of you may have forgotten because your memories are as short as the flies in this godforsaken city. At Double or Nothing, I gave you a declaration that I would be the undisputed face of this company. Because I said that a horse could never be the face of this company. And you know what? I was wrong. Because Seabiscuit over here, there is no denying that he earned his World Heavyweight Championship against Kenny Omega. There's no question. The only real question is... When are you going to screw it all up? Because as much as I re adore referring to you as a yucking and jiving horse, 
You all know that you're more like a cart, Hangman. You leech off anyone who gives you the lick of sympathy. So that you can feel like the good guy. Well, guess what, bud? That's not a good guy. That's not a leader. That's not a guy who can lead this company into the future. So at full gear, I'm not looking to beat you, Hangman. I'm here to expose you as the lying, manipulative leech that you are. Because it's time that AEW was led by the pinnacle of professional wrestling. MGF signs it. Hangman, he doesn't say anything. He drinks a beer. He signs it. And he spits in the face of MJF. And we go off the air there. So then, we reach full gear. It's the big main event match. Hangman Page versus MJF. The match that has been built technically since Double or Nothing 2019, when those two were the very first people to lock their eyes on the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The two in the very first Casino Battle Royal ended up being the final two. The first two to truly give the two main event players of that show a run for their money, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, now find themselves at Full Gear, a pay-per-view named after Hangman Page's weight loss at being the elite. In the main event for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, the match goes how you'd imagine it, a great competitive match back and forth, a lot of shenanigans like a eventual big referee spot in which the Dark Order, returning from injury, fight off the pinnacle, leading to the finish being one that harkens back to MJF versus Hangman Page for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, where Hangman Page goes for the Buckshot Lariat, in which MJF is slid his Dynamite Diamond Ring and punches Hangman Page right in the jaw, knocking him out as MJF crawls to the cover, Excalibur shouting, not this way, not this way, not after everything Hangman has been through. And MJF is your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion in Hangman Page's first AEW World Title Defense. Now some of you might be saying, Connor, why are you having Hangman lose the belt without even having a single title defense? Well, because I feel like the story of Hangman hasn't fully concluded with the world title and that his whole arc is about finding confidence in himself and not just fully through his friends. Because that's kind of where Hangman Page is right now as a character. He's, he's a very good wrestler, but he still doesn't believe that he can be AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And from my own personal experience and people who I've met, there have been stories about people who, you know, have these friends who believe in them, but they don't quite fully have the belief in themselves just yet. And I think that's the story of Hangman Page that you can build off of several months into the future where you can eventually have him come back and potentially win the championship in the future. And I think for right now, MGF is more than ready to win a world title. And that's kind of why I went with it because I think it's a good time to pull the trigger on him. Establish that AEW is willing to push these new younger guys in big 
positions because right now we've had Chris Jericho, John Moxley, and Kenny Omega. I think it's time that we have a big young guy to win the world title. And that's basically how I would book MGF to win the world title here. But, you know, a reign isn't as good as how you win it. It's sometimes the caliber of opponents that you defend it against. So, let's talk about some potential challenges before the big one right near the end. <laughs> Right, usually I would have just like one big storyline for the next part here, but I kind of feel like, you know, to fully solidify MJF's reign, we're going to quickly do a bit of a lightning round of opponents that MJF, I feel, could face during this period. So, post full gear, MJF comes out, he cuts a promo, simply declaring himself as the greatest AEW champion in the company's history, the youngest AEW champion ever, and alongside the pinnacle, he is no longer the youngest and fastest rising star. He is the star of this company. There is nobody who lives and breathes black, white, and gold like MJF. So, if anyone dares to challenge him in a match, specifically tonight in, in Alabama, then please come out now. Of course, MJF is laughing along with the rest of the pinnacle. And, uh, who comes out to challenge MJF for what could jokingly be an AEW World Title match? It's Fuego Del Sol! <laughs> now, I know people are going to say, Connor, Fuego's not signed. He's not in the company. He isn't there. Yes, but you know what I love? I love those World Title matches, like... Takamichi Noku versus Triple H. Neville versus Seth Rollins, the guy who you don't believe will win, but will have a shot at the belt anyway. So this is a official title defense for MJF. It's Fuego versus MJF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, the pinnacles at ringside. Fuego is, of course, the underdog. MJF grabs the microphone, starts cutting a promo as he's wrestling Fuego. And, uh, you know, Fuego does get in a little bit of offense in here. And you hear, like, JR saying, Go make yourself famous, kid! Uh, you can do this, Fuego! <laughs> Wherever the Fuego is. <laughs> and Tony Schiavone saying, If he wins this, he could win a contract here! Because he's always been on Dark and Elevation, and just based off of Elevation this week. What a pop for Fuego, holy crap. <laughs> so this is all happening. It's in Fuego's hometown. You hear people chant, Fuego, Fuego, Fuego. MJF looks like he is dominating Fuego at various parts of this match until Sammy Guevara comes in and tries to annihilate the rest of the pinnacle with Santana and Ortiz. They end up brawling on the outside because Sammy Guevara's obviously got history with E not evil Uno, <laughs> with MJF because of the whole thing with Chris Jericho in which I likely assume he's probably about to go touring with Fozzy. That is all unfolding, distracting MJF, leading to 
a tornado DDT, baby. Fuego del Sol, it's a tornado DDT on the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. The crowd is in disarray. We get a one, a two. Oh, so close to a three, but it isn't quite there. MJF kicks out. Barely, I might add, to a tornado DDT. The crowd is erupting, chanting, Fuego, 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 Fuego. He goes up again for one more, and MJF catches him, puts him in the salt of the earth armbar, having Fuego submit. MJF wins fairly comfortably, but, you know, there was a moment there where it felt like he may not be able to win. And so we move on to the next program for this, which would likely be Sammy Guevara. Because, quite frankly, I think it's about time that Sammy actually gets a title match. You know, a singles championship match. Because you've had this whole thing with Sammy very early on this year. With the whole inner circle stuff between them. Where he was promising that he would eventually become a champion in AEW. And, ha and after, I might add. A fantastic main event with MJF at the final Daily's Place thing before they went touring again. I feel like it's only right that you get a main event world title match out of it. You know, really solidifying it and billing it as this battle for the future. MJF, Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is going into this having known that, you know, Chris Jericho is now out because of him. The inner circle is more divided than ever. He's going in. Just for all the revenge that he wants to give on MJF. MJF, he he doesn't really take notice of Sammy. As, like, in his old promo, he claims that he's the future. MJF is the now. That's kind of the direction that we're going in, building up to this special episode of Dynamite. We're going to call it the... Ooh, I want to I wanna make it an all-champions thing. Kind of like Night of Champions, but a different name. Uh, Dynamite, AEW Dynamite, the Champions Challenge? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go with the Champions Challenge for now, because I can't think of a name on the spot. So, they have another very good match, which, you know, MJF barely manages to pull out the win. And it's in that cheating way, which you hate, but, to be fair, it was a fantastic match. It felt like in my mind, this would be a Sammy Guevara coming out party in which MGF would lead the ring, essentially doing the inner circle taunt to mock him and say the inner circle is dead. And we get that very nice, like, wholesome standing ovation for Sammy after working so hard. And then Dynamite would end there. And we move on to another challenge, which would be built up over several weeks. And it would be against Darby Allen. Another young guy who's had shots at the AEW world title on several occasions. As always, constantly came up short. But this time, he has backup in Sting to kind of equalize members of the pinnacle. And we kind of have this match between MJF and Darby Allin. That is a hardcore match, which is specifically designed to bring out the, as mentioned before, psychotic nature of MJF, which... I feel you could bring out thanks to little references in the Kenny Johnson documentary. So I'm about to give some major spoilers here for a bit because I've I've wrote down a specific quote that he tells a story of in the documentary right near the end. 
And it's, it's very good. So if you want to listen to it, go skip ahead about a minute or so. If you don't, well, enjoy. So the documentary out of MJF's own intentions in character was to bring out the more human side of MJF. And the whole thing of the documentary slowly unravels his own, I've already mentioned before, but psychotic nature and how the parents that he has in his own home that he fabricates are not his actual parents. Uh, he has this incredibly rich lifestyle that he supposedly manipulated to get by his own sort of like fruition. And there's a point right near the end of the documentary that kind of shows a side of MJF that I don't think I've ever seen on AEW. So let me just give you a little quote here. When I was a kid, there was this one bully and like he thought he was so cool and like all the girls were always around him and he was really handsome but for some reason he decided to pick on me. I didn't know why, but maybe it was because he was going through some things. Maybe he like had a lot of things to deal with at home and maybe his parents were expecting him to be like pretty much the president of the world. Like, and that's a lot of stress to have. And I'm sure it's hard being close to perfect. And from that point, he just breaks down crying. And then, literally seconds later, he's he's almost completely fine when uh, Kenny starts talking about, Hey, so I'm guessing you had a really tough time in high school. And he just says, no, high school was great. Like... Where has this been? <laughs> Where has this been inside of the MJF character? He has essentially snapped in this form of silence. And then he just like comes back and says, oh yeah, I'm completely fine. I'm good. All the while, supposedly in this whole thing, been with like a family that he's manipulated to get millions upon millions of dollars. Where has that been? I feel like you can start showing that with Darby Allens, you know, kind of playing with the contrast between the two. Like how Darby is this risk-taking guy who's willing to do anything to, you know, pick up the victory in the same way that MJF does. But MJF does it for, you know, all the wrong reasons. Kind of, in a way, he describes himself in that story about the bully as essentially himself. He expects himself to be the president of everything. And anyone who gets in his way... Oh boy. <laughs> so in the build-up between Darby and MJF, we kind of get this similar type of energy from MJF, kind of like tapping into that whole thing in the documentary where he's interacting with, say, Sean Spears, for example, who is telling him what he's going to do to Darby Allen, And MGF starts telling this whole story. And, you know, Sean... Sean doesn't really believe that this is the leader who should be leading the pinnacle. If he's going to start crying and whining about all these things. You're meant to be the leader of this group who can do anything. How... I believe in you. But maybe you're just like Hangman Page. And immediately, MJF snaps he grabs the steel chair that sean spears has is like don't ever compare me to him again 
Don't compare me to Darby. Don't compare me to all these other young schmucks who keeps on trying to come up up in this business. But I am holding this belt forever. Remember who brought you into the pinnacle. Remember who made the decision to keep you in this locker room. Remember, bud, that you may be the chairman, but I am the god of this industry. Takes the chair away. Sean Spears smiles a bit like, yeah, that, that's my leader. And we get Darby Allen versus MJF in, I, I want to say, I want to say a Texas death match because I think that's a fun stipulation. Quite honestly, it'd be a cool thing for Darby, who's always constantly been told, like, he never stays down. And you have MGF being more and more psychotic, forcing himself to do things that the old MJF wouldn't really do in AEW. Like, dives, uh, putting people through barbed wire tables, and all this other crazy sadistic stuff that we don't really see much of NJF. I know there was that whole bit with blood and guts where you see the blood gushing down his face. I think you can still kind of do stuff like that and have him win where he forcibly ties up Darby to a point where he can't get up himself. That's the only way that I can see Darby losing that type of match and having this great competitive match. For me, Darby Allen versus MJF could do what the Rock versus Mankind did for The Rock. It solidified Rock as this person who can really carry a main event scene. Kind of in the same way that I think Darby can do that for MJF. Just because, like, it shows a more sadistic, angry side to MJF that I don't think has fully been explored yet. We're seeing the, you know, tactical side with the labors of Jericho. But I think putting him in, in there with Darby Allen could be a very fun feud. And it solidifies MGF as this main event player who can elevate anyone up to his level just based off, you know, his heel work and just the way that he carries himself. And I think the key to that is having him face guys like Fuego, face guys like Sammy Guevara, face guys like Darby Allen, and bring out that sadistic side that was kind of executed in the Kenny Johnson documentary. So, with that little detour out the way with three technically title defenses under there, I think it's time that we talk about the final person who I'm pitching a storyline for. And uh, I think that we're going to need, you know, a little bit more time than what we've just done for this section. But I think you all need to prepare yourself because I believe it's time for the final countdown. <laughs> Right, so a quick recap of everything that's happened so far. So we've had MJF become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, and we've essentially had him and the Pinnacle run wild on AEW for several months, defeating the likes of Fuego, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, and others. So by this point, the Pinnacle is riding high. MJF has essentially declared himself as the greatest wrestler alive, because in his mind bleeding the black, white, and gold, he truly is the greatest wrestler to ever live. He continues to ramble on to these white trash hicks that there is nobody on God's green earth 
who can out-wrestle Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Because he is more than just a legend. He is the greatest. And the ramble is cut off by the dulcet tones of the final countdown. I'm doing that because of copyright. It's Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson. I said Daniel Bryan, but we're keeping it in. Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. They have their very first face-off one-on-one in the middle of the ring. And immediately MJF goes for a swing. We get the visual look of Dan Brian Danielson putting in the label lock onto MJF. We get the visual pin of MJF tapping out as the pinnacle rush in. And Brian Danielson gets a very brief glimpse of holding the AEW World Heavyweight Championship as the rest of the pinnacle sprint in to rescue their fallen leader. The next week, MGF demands that Tony Khan fires Brian Danielson, demanding that he is arrested for assaulting the world champion. He says that he is one of the greatest technical wrestlers ever. And to get through to him, he needs to be punished by facing the rest of the pinnacle. Brian Danielson, rather than saying no, he he says yes to this request. In fact, he adds a stipulation to make it harder on himself. He allows the Pinnacle to be able to use any weapon that they want during their matches. So from week to week, we get Brian Danielson versus a member of the Pinnacle. Brian Danielson wins. He faces MJF at the next big pay-per-view, which, if I, my memory is correct, would be double or nothing. And Brian Danielson, he... He says that he's doing this because he wants to show that technical wrestling can be any form of wrestling in the world and that he is the true greatest wrestler in all of AEW because in his mind he believes that MJF is a fraud or at the very least a man who holds back his potential to being one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. So week to week we have his matches against Sean Spears uh, Dax Harwood, which I think would be a banger of a match, by the way. Uh, frickin' Cash Wheeler. All leading up to a final match with Wardlow. Which, him, plus power, plus weapons. Very dangerous, but Brian Danielson manages to overcome it all. On the other side of that, we have MGF having these quote-unquote tune-up matches. Think of them like... The matches he had against the likes of Griff Garrison, where he was talking on the microphone and essentially berating them as he wrestled them. So think uh, guys who are in the mid card who were babyfaces but not too high up for where they feel like they can challenge for the world title. Think of it like those champion eliminator matches. So think guys like Matt Seidel, uh, Joey Janela. Um, think also specifically, you know for one of the bigger ones, you can say Jungle Boy. Because I think that that would be a very cool rematch. And that could be the one that shows the technical prowess of MJF. So, we get some more exchanges with Daniel Bryan. Saying that 
you know, MJF, look, I, I don't like you, but I respect your in-ring ability. I think everything that you do inside the ring is crisp, but the minute you start resorting to eye pokes, blow blows, you, you claim that you are the greatest wrestler in the world, but you have no respect for the ring. So at double or nothing, MJF, I will force you to respect the career and life of various other wrestlers who I've had the pleasure of wrestling for over the past decade of professional wrestling. Wrestling is my life. There is no alternative. And MJF, I will show you that at double or nothing. MJF. He, he responds to it in the only way that MJF can, with a very long promo, basically stating, in his own words, that, you know, it's ironic that I'm being criticized for not wrestling, being a real go-getter like yourself, when a certain somebody's career was destroyed by those means. But if all of you and these inbred stopped thinking with your genitals instead of your head, you would know that in 2021 I have not been pinned or submitted. Is that not what a good professional wrestler is? Oh, but what about the tactics, right? Because I, I don't play by the rules all the time. Remind me, Mr. Bella, who holds the gold in this company? It's not you, it's me. Here's something that you don't understand, bud. The only reason that people remember you is because of a cheesy catchphrase and a shirt. People remember me as the fastest and youngest rising star in professional wrestling. So, yes, I'm not a good wrestler, but I am a great wrestler, bud. Because I found the fast track that many before me and past me have never been able to reach. Not even you. Because I am greater than any American dragon could ever be. I am not a legend. I am the reality. So at double or nothing, Brian, I take my title, and one way or another, I'm gonna break your neck. And that's how we build to double or nothing. Very short, very simple. It's who is the better wrestler. Or at least that is Brian Danielson's mind. It is the philosophy of the face versus the heel of wrestling. Your biggest heel against one of your most organically risen up baby faces over the past decade or so of working in a land of Stanford, Connecticut. And we build to double or nothing the big pay-per-view. I don't know why I'm doing this voice, but we're continuing it. Ooh. And I know this is very short. Not that long. But we have a fantastic technical match. We start out early with MJF showcasing his cocky elements in the world of professional wrestling. In which he basically does say, anything you can do, I can do better. Essentially showing off that he is a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. I've seen him do a freaking Topic on Hilo. It looks very weird to me. So yes, 
we get a showcase of that with the story of the match being that MGF is trying to really warm up Daniel Bryan's arm, but at the same time, Daniel Bryan is so technical that he's finding little ways to, you know, injure past injuries that we've seen with MJF in matches. Say, the match with Sammy Guevara with the bad knee, uh, you know, the focus on the head when he was against Cody Rhodes. All these little nagging injuries all built up by all of these past challenges, which, regardless of what Excalibur and everyone says, he's been able to fight. And we really put over in this match that MJF is not the type of champion that gives up easily despite his outward cockiness and his appearance to stuff. He is a tough kid. Something that is really not really showcased by the undertones of him being this loud, larger-than-life heel who essentially seems to hate anyone in and outside the ring. And more specifically in this match, this is a match where MJF wins clean. No interference, no pinnacle stuff. This is purely designed to showcase that MJF is a good wrestler. So MJF and Brian Danielson have a big, classic, technical match in which MJF barely pulls out the victory. And it's by none other than Brian Danielson's own technical prowess. MJF wins. Brian Danielson, he puts his hand out to MJF to almost congratulate him, beating him at his own game. Of course, MJF doesn't really take it too well. He spits in Daniel Bryan's hand. He walks away delivering the middle finger. And we close on the double nothing pay-per-view with MJF having a stare down with Hangman Adam Page. So that's kind of how I'm looking at that whole thing. Hangman Adam Page versus MJF. That is what I think would be the feud that you would have MJF drop the belt to. You have that very cool dream specific match against Brian Danielson and MJF that's all based around wrestling to really solidify MJF as a technical wrestler who's really a once in a lifetime talent because I feel like that's kind of pulled under the rug a little bit sometimes because of how high he is. You expect him to be a lot more tenured in wrestling, but it's not really showcased that. So really, really want to solidify that. And to be honest, Hangman Page could be the choice that you have where maybe you build up somebody new. Maybe you want Jungle Boy in the end. Maybe you want someone like a, trying to think of good words, Cody Rhodes maybe, but I don't really see Cody. I, I know I pitched that like during the very beginning episodes of my podcast stuff. That was something that could be an option if you want him to finally break the rules and stop the menace that is MJF. Maybe even a CM Punk because uh, in the documentary they talk about how MJF's one of his childhood heroes was CM Punk. That could be a very nice callback. Maybe even you have a Kenny Omega match because I don't think they've wrestled yet. But that's basically my thoughts on how you would book the salt of the earth carrying around the most prestigious prize in AEW's very short history. So with that, we have come to the end of this episode. Uh, 
Definitely one of the harder ones I've done. Definitely one of the harder booking ones to do because MGF is such a well-spoken individual and that he's been booked so well. I don't want to do too much to tamper with it. So if this felt a little bit distilled, that's probably why. But I had a lot of fun making this. I was... I'm really glad that I ended up watching that Kenny Johnson documentary because it really got me to really think about MJF's character. So I've, I've used it a bunch before. Highly recommend that you go check it out. I'm going to put it in the description of this whole thing. And with it, if you're sticking around for this, well, guess what's happening next? It's the random segment that I do for wrestlers, which I haven't really done in a bit. It's Fantasy Fumble, everybody. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast or... You've came here from listening to stuff like could Link work in the wrestling business or various other things. Fantasy Fumble is my improvised segment of the week in which, accompanied by some music that makes me panic a lot, I try and make a the whole storyline based off the top of my head. And in case you didn't know, I'm now open for submissions! So I want to start building this whole like submission process of various people in the community. So if you're a frequent listener, feel free to send me your fantasy fumble storyline suggestions for what the heck I have to do and improvise to make. So that could vary from, uh, like, he has to make a sandwich shop in the middle of a wrestling match to, oh, he just has to win a world title whilst being a supermodel. It could be literally anything. Any storyline scenario that you can think of, you can send to me at Connor the Cooper on Twitter, or on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, or even on TikTok at Wrestling With Fiction, which if you're not following any of those platforms, feel free to follow. Helps me out a ton. So, with that, I think it's time that we get to Fantasy Fumble. I have no idea what I'm doing. God help me, because Fantasy Fumble will begin in three, two, one, Fumble! Let the dumpster fire begin! Right, so we all know that MJF has a big new internet coin that you can buy, say, a la Bitcoin, or all those other online services. Basically, yes, MJF starts investing more and more money into this coin as he's having all these other wrestling matches because, you know, he's rich, he's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he's free, just like his royalty free music, and he's doing that. He's getting all the money in, he's getting it there, he's having a wrestling match, and he gets a notification on his phone that he brought to ringside because now that he's been wrestling more frequently and frequently, he starts bringing his phone to the ring to check his stocks, check all these things that he's put money into, like his own personal Bitcoin, to see if people will invest. Shocker, everybody, including members of the Pinnacle, sold out that point of the coin. They sold the coin! Which basically means there's hardly anything in that digital wallet. MJF is the only one who has value in that coin, which is now less and less valuable, including hardly any money at all. So MJF finishes this match and he realizes that with this debt that he now has incurred from this new coin, he's essentially homeless. Maxwell Jacob Friedman has become MJH. Maxwell's Jacob and homeless. So yes, MJF is now a couch surfing man, essentially like any other indie wrestler. He has to experience life going through public buses. We get segments of him working a part-time job at a Starbucks so that he's better than you and you know it 
but yet he still doesn't quite get it because his arrogant nature forces him to get fired from every job that he goes to. What a douche! And thus he starts his brand new thing on an episode of Dynamite, the Maxwell Jacob Homeless Foundation, a donation dedicated to making MJF rich again. So he starts doing that. He starts trying to get more people to get into it. And when they don't, he punches them in the face and steals their money. What a douche. So he starts going around each. Think like Reverend Devon, where he used to give in all the money from all the charity stuff that he would get in real life. So, yes, he'd do that. He'd forcibly attack planted fans to get money and get more money to build up his fund. And eventually, it would keep going. He'd keep getting more money because he's rich now. He claims he's better than you and you know it. And eventually, during a spot during a FTR match, he is trying to get more money. It doesn't quite work out well for him because a member of Santana and Ortiz fly out and attack MJF, having him drop countless amounts of money in which they all steal it. MJF is still poor. And then he gets rich again. Bitcoin can be bad sometimes, folks. <laughs> yes. The dangers of Bitcoin. <laughs> yes, so... That is the official end of this episode. So like I said, if you want to submit... If this is the episode that you come in and you think, Oh, this is new. This is fine. This is fresh. Maybe this is the episode. <laughs> You're like, yeah, let's send a submission. Why not? So that is the end. Thank you all so much for listening. If you got this far, I, I truly love every single one of you who submits or listens to this stuff. It's always well appreciated. So I'm just going to end with this thing. Let it out into the universe. I am trying to reach 2000 downloads by the end of August, because that is the official month that Wrestling With Fiction reaches the one year mark. Yay! We've, we've done it, <laughs> somehow, some way. We've reached a year. <laughs> that is, that's where this is going. So if, if you feel so inclined, please consider subscribing to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. It helps me out a bunch. It helps out any podcast, in fact, it really does help get these episodes out to more people. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting site that allows reviews, consider reviewing because that does just as much. It helps out more than you can imagine. And it helps people like me and many other people who create podcasts get these out to more and more people. So if you want to do that, that will be greatly appreciated. And as I've said before, feel free to follow me at... Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, on Twitter at Conan the Cooper, and TikTok at Wrestling With Fiction, because that's a thing I have now. And if you want to buy a fancy little t-shirt, like the one in the logo, for example, you can go to redbubble.com forward slash wrestling with F. Why wrestling with F? Because wrestling with fiction was too long, and WWF would get me sued. So... With that out of the way, thank you all so much for listening. Your time and your attention is so greatly appreciated. I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>